over here. You rebound over into, you know, too much. I mean, if you starve yourself, you're going to eat too much. If you, you, you go, the pendulum never stays in the middle. So if you deprive yourself, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not going to care what anybody thinks. So you go, wait, wait, what happens is sooner or later, the pendulum's going to be, you're going to be the biggest person worried about what everybody thinks. The pen, you can't stay in the extreme. So it's like if you just ask for what you want and bring it to God in, in, in a way that's in submission to God, God will either change your desires or he'll give you things that you're asking for. But it's all in play with God, knowing that God's good and every good thing comes from God. But because you haven't even thought of that possibility, instead you've built up all this crazy stuff and you're, there's all this war and tension within you and you're trying to get in your own strength in your own way and he's saying you're never going to be satisfied. And God's never going to give it to you that way. So you have not because you asked not. This is really important. Now, he's really talking here about people, and in this context, it's primarily uh, financial things. But, but I want you to know, uh, there are people, I, I, I've been in a lot of places where there are people who are sick that never imagined that they should ask God. In fact, I grew up in churches, I don't think, other than they would put you on a prayer list that they never expected God to answer, I mean, we grew up in churches that if you had a prayer meeting, everything was fine unless what happened? If prayer started getting answered, then it was charismatic. You had to get, get, stop it. So it was okay to pray for the sick as long as no one got better. But if somebody got better, we thought something bad had happened. Uh-oh. Some of that bad stuff snuck in here. So you got this thing where it's like God saying, hey, there's a whole lot of things in life that you have not because you've not asked him. Have you asked him for your health? Have you asked him? You know, there's a season where you can go and other people pray for you and God will let you do it. There's a season where, where the Lord will let other people help you to get rid of your demons. But there's a season when you grow that you've got to learn how to do it because you're no longer a toddler. It's like saying your parents will change your diapers for a certain amount of time. But at some age, what's going to happen? You got to learn for your, so, so it's like part of the Christian life, there'll be a grace. I mean, we've, I've been here 23 years. I can remember in the early days. I mean, when I found out you cast out devils, it was amazing. And we had incredible fruitfulness in the ministry of, of uh, deliverance and exorcism. But I'll tell you this, after a while, there'll be people who, it's like, you couldn't help them anymore. And I couldn't figure out why. And I don't know if I read a book or where, but, but we can't do, ah, they've experienced this so much. They now have to learn how, and, and when they would say, in Jesus' name, I command this leave, it would go. But the Lord's like, he, he would no longer. I mean, I love being useful and, and being important and casting them all out for people. But there was a point in the ministry of doing that multiple times for people where they, I was supposed to teach them because the same Jesus and spirit that lives in me was in them. And the idea wasn't for me to be the expert. The, the thing was to help them grow up and, and be the people they were supposed to be. And so the Lord no longer would give me a grace to do that for them. I was supposed to teach them to do it and to walk in the same thing for themselves. And it was beautiful. It worked amazingly. Um, so, you have not because you ask not. I wonder what you've not asked for. I mean, if you're here tonight, we'd love to pray for you. But wouldn't it be something if you recognized that you've come again looking for an outsider to do what Jesus is asking you to ask him to do? I mean, we'd love to pray with you. Well, I'd love to pray for you. Love to pray with you. But there are some people that the problem is they have not prayed for themselves. That's not everyone's problem. 
in the beginning, I, I didn't know how to pray for myself. I, I, it, it took a while to learn and to see. And I, I mean, that's part of the, So I'm not giving you a hard time. We're thrilled you're here. But it's possible that you're not having because you're not asking. And no one can do for you what you're supposed to do between you and God. We, we can do the part that we're supposed to do, but just throw it out. It's on the, on the checklist of possibilities. Have I begun to ask and seek and knock for the things that I need? Have I sort of taken the posture that God isn't willing to hear my prayers? He's not willing to listen to me, not willing to... If, if that's your view of God, it's, it's going to mess things up at a certain point. Maybe that's why it's taking so long. Just a possibility. You have not because you don't ask. Then he says there's other people out there asking for everything. You ask and don't receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. So the, the, the one problem with prayer, I mean, there's all kinds of problems with faith and prayer, but, but in this particular text, James says, there is the internal problem of passivity where you've not stepped in to ask God for the good things that God says he wants to give you. And then there's the people who are asking but are not in submission to God, and so therefore they're asking for things uh, that would maintain a relationship of pleasure apart from God. God doesn't mind us having pleasure, nice things, and our relationship with God, but this is to ask a mismeaning as if it would just further us in our own little kingdom or space or life or whatever, uh, with whatever luxuries, whatever we're asking for, without any context with God. Like God, it doesn't work that way. I mean, God blesses us to be a blessing. And, uh, you know, he, do, he, he does bless people profoundly. God blesses people profoundly. And uh, he seems very happy to do it. You ask and don't receive because you ask amiss. I mean, you're asking out of sorts, out of context of the basic surrender to Jesus Christ and to his lordship. And if you were asking for the things you're asking within the context of submission to the lordship of Jesus Christ, that means that we're giving Jesus the right both to answer our prayers and surprise us with good things as well as to change our hearts and to reorder our desires in a way that would please him. But there's a kind of prayer that's all about the self and the uh, asking amiss for our own self, exclusive of other people and the other responsibilities of what it means that we're in the family of God, that God will not honor. He will not answer that kind of prayer. You, you, you ask and you won't receive because you ask amiss. Are you asking in submission to God? I assume if it's physical things, of course you are, but uh, this is talking bigger than that. And primarily here, he's talking about the covetous and the, and the physical things, the material things that people are asking for. So then he says, adulterous and adulterers, or adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enemy with God? Meaning, I was trying to think how to explain this, and I think it's almost like saying, and, and I'm not against country clubs. I wish I had the money for a nice country club. I mean, country clubs can be very nice. I like to play golf. I like it when people clean my golf shoes and the clubs. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to a country club, but, but you know, if you get a good one, it's got really good lunches, uh, really nice golf courses that aren't crowded and crummy like the ones that me and my friends play at. Um, so, you, you know, it's as, if, it's as if the people and their lust and all their covetous and all their cheating and all the stuff that they're doing in the book of James, they're, they're doing that because they just want more and more stuff for themselves 
and they're not at all interested in anybody else. It's as if they want, uh, they want to have uh, the super expensive stuff, even if other people are starving. It's like the tax collectors, who basically sold out all the people around them and then ripped them off so they could have more and more when the people, their own families and neighbors, were experiencing incredible uh, poverty and uh, difficulty just to eat, and they were taking more and more and building bigger houses. So it's a, if there's a context of that, he says, you, you, you're looking for, you, you want to fit in with a bunch of people who hate God. It's like you're having an affair with the devil. That's what's kind of what he's saying. That you're, the, the, the way that you've gotten off the track with the world, uh, you're, he, he describes it as it does in the Old Testament many times, as, as if we're having an affair, and he calls it adulterers and adulteresses. Don't you know that friendship, to really embrace now, when he says the world in this context, the world means all those things of the world and its systems that are antagonistic to God. Not everything in the world is, and that's not the way. That this world is, word world is being used in such a way to refer to those parts of the world that are antagonism to the things of God. Don't you know that to embrace those things uh, is, in fact, to make you an enemy of God? Uh, whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. I can assure you, None of us can afford to make ourselves enemies with God. I, I can assure you, I can't. Uh, I'm sure you can't as well. Where, whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Five. Or do you think that the Scripture says in vain, the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? Meaning, God is jealous for our heart. He hates it. I mean, I used to have a rule where I used to say, I'm teasing now, I'm only kidding here. But I used to tease, like, Susie's not allowed to hug anyone skinnier than me. That's a lot of people. All right? That's a lot of, that's a lot of folks. Um, I, but imagine, imagine a husband or wife or something, and, and thinking that the person is flirting, whatever, some, how much that would break the heart of somebody. And don't you know that spirit, the Holy Spirit within you, yearns jealously for all of you. God's given and committed himself completely to you in Jesus that he died for you and it breaks his heart to think that, that you would be um, or I would be uh, so fickle as to run after the approval and the system of this world in the very areas of which they're antagonistic to the ways and teachings of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit. It, 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 see, that's why it's not a sin for God because it's a covenant relationship. If you're in a marriage, it's not a sin to say, I'm jealous of the fact that the person had an affair. That's, not, that's an appropriate jealousy, meaning, meaning that, that is a, an offense. It's not a, uh, just someone who's got a easily offendable and sees something wrong when there is nothing. Of course, the one who loved us and died for us and created us would have a right to be jealous of us as we would be embracing the very things that are contrary to him in his ways. Verse 6, oh good, but he gives more grace. He gives more grace, meaning... If we ask for it. Now, how do we get more grace? Well, the little sober, you know, little sober statement here, he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. What do the humble do? They confess. They repent. They say, Lord, my heart is on the wrong direction, but, but you can change my heart. So when we confess our sins and we'll bring them openly before God, God will begin to move. And, and when we do it, you, you, know, you, you, keep, you have a lifestyle of confession and submission to God and repentance. And so that he gives more grace. Now he'll resist the proud who pretend that there's nothing wrong, that everything's really great. And that's what the vast majority of Christians in our world do. Not just in America, all over. 
They live in the pretense that everything's great when it isn't. And, and you can do that. You just can't do it and live in joy and be filled with the Spirit and do the works of the kingdom. But, but, but you, can, you can do that. And the vast majority of people, that's what they prefer. But God resists the proud. And so now you have God working against you, which is, again, a horrible thought to think about. But he says, but he gives grace to the humble. You know, I think we're too quick in our repentance. The point isn't to grovel. The point is to ask the Holy Spirit to really give us a change of heart. Not just, I mean, you know, who's to say exactly where the line is? But I can tell you this. A lot of times I catch myself later when I keep struggling with the same sin or something and I realize, oh, I was more sorry that I was embarrassed to see that in myself more than I was really seeking a whole new way of thinking. I don't like to make mistakes. I don't like to sin. I like to be a good guy, a good pastor. So, so in some ways, I think some of your repentance is wrong. It's really crummy. Because a true repentance is a kind of mindset change that comes from God and His grace in the asking, seeking, and knocking. Not because we have to do some big thing to be forgiven, but we're asking God to truly work in us profoundly to penetrate our heart so that we love what he loves and we hate what he hates. And that often is a, it's not that we're not turning from our sin, I mean, but, but, but when our mindset is really different, that's what repentance is. Repentance is the complete change of mind that happens after you have repented and God's grace has changed you. If your mind's already completely different, the Holy Spirit's already been visiting you. Now, that does happen sometimes. Sometimes the Holy Spirit comes in such beautiful, incredible conviction that your heart is changed before you utter the words. Praise the Lord. That means you're walking on that moment in time in a really good place. How wonderful. But the majority of us, we, those things happen to us, but, but in the most things, we're, we're asking and seeking God for his heart and his perspective. So that we'll see our sins and these things in the way that he does so that we can really have a change of heart. I mean, the idea isn't that we're just white-knuckling it for the rest of our life. I'm not going to gamble. I'm not going to smoke. You know, I'm not going to be mean. I'm going to be... No, it's that Jesus would come, and, and as we turn from our sins, he'd change our heart, and we would want the things he wants and hate the things he hates. That's what he's promised. Anything less than that isn't the real deal, just so you know. So if you've been killing yourself trying to be perfect, that's called perfectionism. That's a brand of self-righteousness. Okay? You're supposed to be seeking God for a change of heart. Okay? That comes from the cross, it comes from repentance, it comes from grace. All right? There's a whole lot of perfectionism or self-righteousness that goes on in the church, and, and we reward that, meaning we think those people are, are really great, and they're neat. They're nicer than those of us who aren't even going to try that hard. Okay? But it doesn't get you any further in the kingdom of God. In fact, it's kind of like being lukewarm because you can think to yourself that you're on the right track far longer with those of us who aren't really perfectionists aren't really going to, you, you know, we find out much quicker. That's the benefit of, of, of being cold, you know. That's why Jesus said, better hot or cold. The hot people, they're great, but the cold people, you know, they, they don't, they're not, at least they can see their sins quickly. Jesus so says they're actually better off than the ones who are self-righteous and are perfectionists, and they're actually, they could stay blind and they might miss it even to the end. That's a scary place to be. And think of all the hard work they put in for it. But what a mistake that would be. 
Now, tonight, my prayer for you and my prayer for me is that God would grant us the grace of true repentance and his Holy Spirit. That we would begin in the process of the things in our life that are displeasing to God to begin to have the grace to start that journey of seeking his heart and his ways that we could be profoundly changed, that we would just... Now, let me show it to you this way. This is my last example, and then I stop. There's this condition. Some of you probably, we have probably doctors and nurses tonight, so I don't, but Susie probably knows the name. But uh, there's this thing that when you get sick, sometimes with the flu or something, whatever you were eating, so like when Susie went through chemo, they said, be careful what you eat, because if you eat what you really like with the chemo, there's a reaction in your body where then you'll hate that food. So you might be, you know, so like, don't eat, you know, go to Burger King, because you're not going to care if you never go to Burger King again. But but don't eat prime rib or don't eat, you know, uh, lobster or something because there's something in the body that then associates some, not all the time, I guess, but apparently uh, it'll happen where when you're really sick by eating a certain kind of thing at the same time, the body associates it and then you get, you know, kind of violently ill or, or a real reaction against and you can't eat that food. I've had that happen to me in a couple of things, but, but not like Susie had to be careful about in terms of when she had her chemo. We're asking God that, that our appetites would be changed. That's part of what repentance is. It's this transformation of mind. It's not you turning. It's you turning because God turned you. It's true repentance is more than what you can do. You can, you can say, Lord, I want to, to hate this and love, okay? And so you can turn in the sense that, Lord, I cho I'm choosing you, but the mindset change of what a real metanoia is, that's something that only the grace of God can do. So my prayer tonight is that God would give me and he would give you a heart to want to and the grace to follow through in seeking him because it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. Meaning he giveth more grace. There is grace for us if that's the road we commit ourselves to. The grace will come as we humble ourselves and turn to him and acknowledge our way isn't right and his way is right. Listen, part of the reason our emotions, our bodies, and our spirit are not free is because we're entangled in all this other stuff. It's not all isolated. You, you know, it's not that, well, we just pray for the, the physical file tonight. It's got no connection to unforgiveness or anything. No, no, it's all connected. It's all mixed in there somehow. Lord Jesus, we ask tonight, Lord, I pray that specifically, first thing, Lord, I pray that you would restore to us the truth that you're good. Some of us have not sought you and prayed because we have not realized that you're not stingy. We have thought you're hard and mean like our parents have been, our authority figures have been, uh, teachers, whatever. We, we got this idea that we're not dearly loved and that we can't come to the throne of grace seeking the things we need, all the mercy, all the grace, and, and even the... Uh, the other things of life we need, Lord, that we are welcome in your arms to ask for what we need. And Lord, that you give more, you're lavish in your goodness to us. Lord, help us, uh, to, for, and, and Lord, forgive us for believing the lie that you're stingy. Because that image is really the devil, it's not God. Forgive us, Lord. We, your word shows us, but we, we, we got uh, sidetracked. Forgive us, Lord.
Now, Lord, I pray that you would release us to ask, knowing that if we come in with a heart of submission, we can ask, and you will either give us what we ask or you'll change our hearts. Help us to be full speed and not tentative and passive. Lord, show us that the things that we're asking when we're asking amiss, that we're really asking from a place outside of your will purposes are the care of the same. Lord, it's just really self-kingdom, self-stuff. Show us, Lord, the difference. And, and it's not always clear. So, so we're trusting as we ask these things that you're going to show us, and we thank you for that. And Lord, we just pray that you would purify and cleanse those things. And Lord, that you would rip them up, Lord. Give us a severe mercy, Lord. Do whatever it takes. We don't want to take 20 years in this thing. We pray that you'd clean the house of our heart and our minds and our wills and emotions as quickly as you can. Lord, turn up the fire. Don't take away those things that are purifying us. Increase the fire so that we would find peace and rest only in you and in your ways, according to your word. Lord, we ask, we, 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 it's, this world is it's passing, Lord, time is passing. Forgive us for not being wholehearted in the past. Now, Lord, we pray, having heard your word, knowing that your goodness tonight, Lord, that as we pray together, that your spirit would fall here, that you would manifest your good things. Uh, Lord, to your honor and glory. We thank you for the opportunity to, to serve you and to be part of your kingdom purposes and to serve your precious sons and daughters. What an honor it is for us, Lord. We thank you for it. It's not a little thing that you entrust people into our hearts uh, and into our prayers and minds, Lord. So thank you. We praise you. We worship you. Uh, but Lord, we know we can't do anything that's worth doing apart from you. So we invite you to come even more, even more. In the most wonderful and precious name of Jesus, we commit this time of prayer now. Uh, and in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.